Hey, it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted independent American Standard Air dealer. And owner Chris Wedekin sells the Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, a great option for heating and cooling where ductwork can't be installed. If you have one of those homes that has baseboard heat or electric heat, ceiling cable heat, these can be specifically designed for those houses because in those houses it's very difficult to have them do all the construction and remodeling that goes with adding ductwork into those types of homes. Find out more by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted independent American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Guy Relford filling in for Jason Hammer. News breaking yesterday during the show, Guy. A 5-4 Supreme Court vote left Title 42 in place for now, which I think is good news for those serving uh, at the southern border, they were they were all bracing down there for an influx of tens of thousands of migrants crossing illegally. Once Biden ended that pandemic policy, Trump uh, put in place to immediately deport or turn away illegal aliens. Now, I think it's a humiliation. Uh, it's a humiliating defeat for Joe Biden, who's done everything he can to ensure as many illegals cross the border as possible, trying to end Title Forty Two. Uh, trying to end the remain in Mexico policy. Not as much funding as they would have liked in the omnibus spending bill for the border security, cutting funding for border security, rolling back ICE's immigration enforcement. So, I, I, you know, it's humiliating for Biden, but at the same time, I think the court did him a big favor and the people down at the southern border protecting our border a big favor because there's no plan in place to, um, to, to replace Title 42. Well, it's a great point, Nige, and and people need to understand too. If you don't already, what a big deal this is in the sense of the number of people who are amassed at the border, um, or you know, within a very short distance of the border, who is were specifically waiting for the ruling on Title Forty Two because it would determine whether they could in fact enter the country or not, and once they came into the country, if this were a different decision by the Supreme Court, there was. To your point, no plan in place for dealing with these people. It's just simply a matter of dumping them on the states and the cities and the towns and all the local governments, the state governments where these people flow into and say, you deal with it. The federal government doesn't have a clue of what to do with these people. And in fact, if you send them somewhere else, like put a busload of them together and send them to Martha's Vineyard or take them to Kamala Harris's front doorstep, you know, we will declare that an emergency. But in the meantime, tens of thousands and in fact, in the aggregate over years, millions, millions, millions of people coming in illegally, states, Texas, Florida, New Mexico, Arizona, you deal with it, not our problem. But in the meantime, having no plan at the federal level, it's inexcusable. Look at the rate right now, by the end of Biden's term, um, it'll be, you know, upwards of 8 million. Yeah. Um, And those people, uh, that doesn't even include, I'm not even talking about like the gotaways, the ones that we don't even know about. Those are the ones who just have been apprehended and sent out there. Does anybody really believe that, you know, four to 8 million people are going to get deported after this? They're here to stay. I got news for you. And that's fine if they contribute to society and they're paid their taxes. Um, But I just don't know what it means to be an American sometimes. What you, what's the value of, of being an American citizen? Where is the sovereignty in our nation if you could just walk through and boom, you're an American citizen? Or you can walk through and have a baby and boom, you're, you're an American citizen? 
Yeah, it's, it, it's 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 frustrating. It, it is, Naj. And and if you're in the country illegally and and you're concerned you could be deported or arrested and then deported, what's the likelihood you're going to sign up for a social security number? What's what's, what's what's the likelihood you're actually going to going to pay taxes? And and that's why it again, drives prices down for uh, tax paying Americans. It, it does looking for cash under the table. It does, but 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 people should also know because I know you and I agree on this because we've talked about it before. We've talked about it on the air. We're not anti-immigration. We're not saying we don't want people from other countries coming into the United States, just the opposite. I mean, that's what makes America great, right? We're the great melting pot, as we talked about yesterday. We're all in favor of, of legal immigration, but that's because they come in, they're accounted for. We make sure there's someone who should be entering the country. They're not a, a, you know, a criminal in their own country, for instance. And Title 42 has to do with the fact that they're also not bringing uh, COVID into the country and increasing the, the, the issues with our pandemic right here in the U.S. But any number of other issues Bring, come in, give them a path to citizenship, be, have them become citizens, have them become legal residents in the meantime, have them sign up for a social security card, pay taxes, join your communities, be productive members of the U.S. society. That makes us all better, but it all starts with legal immigration. Sort of an interesting twist on this whole thing yesterday, and it's something we didn't have time to get to, but uh, the conservative Justice Gorsuch, uh, the Trump appointee Gorsuch, sided with the liberal justices um, and dissented. In fact, he wrote the dissent, quote, current border crisis is not a COVID crisis and courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We're a court of law, not policy, not policymakers of last resort. And I got to be honest with you, I agree with them. I'm uh, glad for, Title 42 is still in place. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Congress hasn't acted to solve this border crisis. Republicans or Democrats, Democrats love it, and Republicans have done nothing. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, we ask ourselves the question: Do we really think that COVID is still the primary driver behind? policy decisions being made at the border, or is it the otherwise complete dearth of regulation and, and reform on immigration policies in this country? It's the latter. And 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 that's why I also agree with Justice Gorsuch in the sense that um, we, we're using COVID and Title 42 as a means of preventing immigration that we otherwise should be dealing with through immigration reform, yes. not relying on a, a COVID-based <laughs> restriction. But in the meantime, they kicked the can down the road, and they uh, they're going to deal with this. There's you know 19 red states that are suing to keep uh, Title 42 in place, and they're going to hear those arguments. And it looks like maybe February or March sometime is when we're going to revisit this whole thing. Meanwhile, uh, Southwest Airlines <laughs> continues. Oh, man. Uh, man, they are just uh, in a downward spiral, uh, canceling thousands of flights. Still, 2,500 flights today have been canceled. Another 2,300 have already been canceled for tomorrow. Um, and I look, I've never had a problem on Southwest. I've loved, I love flying on Southwest. They have direct flights to some of our favorite spots in Florida that you wouldn't have thought that, that they would like, um, um, Sarasota, AMI, uh, love flying down there. Um, obviously, you know, it was a two hour flight to Tampa and then a, yep. a, and a, and a 40 minute drive to St. Pete. So I, I, I've flown Southwest hundreds of times. I've never had a problem, but man, it seems like, um, because of, the winter weather and they're kind of using that as an excuse here but 
the other airlines had minimal cancellations uh, after the winter weather, and they're operating normally. Southwest has canceled thousands, partly due, it seems like, due to reports to antiquated software and uh, inept management. Yeah, exactly. And we had other airlines, you know, all across the country, uh, fairly functional during the horrific weather we had. Was yes. it really, really cold? Yes. Was there a lot of snow in some areas? Yes. Were there really, really high winds? Right. Absolutely. So there was legitimate bad weather across this country. But when you look at the number of cancellations, Nigel, you already referred to, there's no correlation um, and there's no comparison when you look at the number of cancellations with some other airlines. Some other airlines, you know, based in places like Chicago with United having a hub there. Uh, American and United having hubs um, elsewhere where you would think they would have just as many, if not more, weather-related issues compared to Southwest, you know, based out of Phoenix, uh, although they, they don't tend to rely on hubs. Uh, they say they, they base their flights around communities. I saw that announcement today. But at the same time, um, we're seeing an awful lot on social media. And you and I were talking about this off-air, Nige, but it's a little tough to separate the wheat from the chaff, and we don't want to report things as being true when we haven't been verified. Right. But there are an awful lot of things on social media supposedly coming from Southwest employees, including pilots, that are, are, are blaming a complete operational meltdown here based on antiquated software and antiquated mm-hmm. systems that they've seen coming for months. And I think as Congress has promised an investigation, as different news outlets uh, are on the trail here of what exactly happened, I think we'll see more and more news on that, and I think that'll be interesting because it appears to be a whole lot of other things. There appear to be a whole lot of other things wrong with Southwest unrelated to weather. It's okay, everybody. Don't worry. Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, (laughs) is on the case. Overall, more than 15,700 Southwest flights have been canceled since last week. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. I got Ralford's filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. Target is going to start limiting purchases of children's fever meds uh, like Tylenol, Advil, Motrin. Uh, they, you know, Target getting in line with CVS and Walgreens. They have similar policies in place. I think you can buy like two at a time online now. They're going to limit it to two at a time. Uh, some of these places don't even have there are are clean out of fever medication online. I'm not sure, and, but I mean, like literally, guy, the demand for these over the counter drugs has surged among what people are calling or doctors are calling a triple demic here in America: um, flu, COVID, RSV for kids. Now, yeah. you know, the good news is that flu cases have dropped 26 percent from previous weeks rsv cases which only affect the really little kids have plummeted for a second straight week so that's good news but it's a little disconcerting that a lot of these medications which come from china are no longer available and um i'm not saying they're all made in china but i'll give you a perfect example of what happened the one that is a high percentage of amoxicillin we get from china and that's used to, you know, it's an antibiotic used to treat a number of things, including sure. uh, strep throat. My poor son uh, woke up uh, over the holidays, and I had to take him to the um, emergency clinic. Now we got there early, and there was nobody there. We got right in; it was great. The, the Riverview, Riverside or Riverview over there in Carmel on Michigan yeah. Road, really good f- facility, awesome doctors. And you know, oh, was that right had, there on four twenty one? Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah. right down the street from my house. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we we got there early. We got right in, and, and and luckily there was, you know, he had strep throat. He didn't have flu. You know, they tested him for strep, and, and then you know that, which was good. He didn't have the flu or COVID or anything. So he got strep throat. Mm-hmm. So they gave us a prescription to go pick it up. CVS. Sorry, we're on a three week back order of amoxicillin. Wow. And I'm like, well. <laughs> You know, my, my son's got strep throat. What are we supposed to do? So they called the doctor and they were able to switch it to something else. So if you just a little just a little uh, tip from Uncle Nige here. If, if you got a kid that's got strep throat or something, they prescribe amoxicillin. You might also ask your doctor before you go pick it up at the pharmacy if there's any substitutes yeah, there you, you can go. make. Because that kind of stuff is in short supply right now. It's just kind of scary that we live... In America, and we can't get fever medications for our kids when they get a, a simple fever? Well, exactly. And, you know, we, when you look to at where some of these compounds, where these pharmaceuticals were invented and patented originally, I mean, a huge percentage of them, they were invented and patented right here in the U.S., then they go off patent, yes. then they can be manufactured anywhere, and the manufacturers uh, decide, because they're trying to save a buck wherever they can, to actually have them manufactured overseas, including a, a huge majority, a huge percentage anyway, in China, and then we created this problem through that whole mechanism uh, for ourselves. We, you know, we, we, U.S. manufacturers created these things, invented them, pioneered the science, but then shipped the manufacturing over to another country. That other country now uh, has huge control. And, and I'm not even necessarily saying it's intentional, but just through supply yeah. chain issues that we've been facing uh, for a damn long time with no remedy in sight from the Biden administration, now suddenly we can't get right here in the U.S. some of these compounds that were invented, patented uh, right here, pioneered right here in the U.S. We can't get them for our own population. And you still, and then I also felt because this is over the holidays, man. I like, like I just felt grateful that I was able to get help for my kid who was yeah. really in a lot of pain. Um, and you think about the humanitarian crisis that's been going on at the border right now with people sleeping outside and kids waiting and and all due to, to Biden's policies. It's just a disaster, disastrous immigration policy. Those kids, like you get a sore throat or some sort of strep kind of throat or some sort of infection down there. What Are there doctors down there yeah. helping these poor families that, that have been trafficked? Um, and again, I, I lay the blame. Title 42 is a good thing, even though it's a public health thing, keeping people uh, from coming here. Uh, but but I, you just have to go back and, and look at the Biden administration's policies and how, you know, he refuses to enforce many different um, laws that Congress has already put on the books. And so I, I just I was I felt a feeling of gratefulness and thankfulness. God, I live in a country where I could take my kid and get right in and get a strep test, and that's it. So yeah, but you know when you when you look at the border, Nige, and then you look at, at at another issue, which is supply chain. They both have a common denominator, which is no identifiable, much less viable plan from the Biden administration to address them. I mean, you know, in two years, Biden's been in office. No plan about the border. Their plan, we talked about They're this silent. yesterday. Yeah. Their, their plan for the border is to have no plan. They they want unfettered, unlimited, illegal immigration into this country because they think it benefits them politically. Supply chain, we've been talking about this since the Biden administration came into power. You know, with the number of ships that can't get unloaded, uh, any number of other issues, and, uh, and, and, and our transportation secretary, our own beloved Hoosier Pete Buttigieg, seems to be 
completely AWOL on those issues as well. The supply chain issues haven't gotten any better despite promises uh, to rectify that situation. It, 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 is a, it is an administration with no plan. Uh, do we have time to do booze news, Kylan? Yeah, let's, let's hit it. Let's do some booze Always. news. Always. and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Oh, it's your lips. It's so good. It's what we said. Booze news, booze news. Deal. You're the one that sent me this, uh, Luka yeah. Doncic, uh, for the uh, Mavericks, right? Does he play yeah. the, play, uh, recorded the first 60-20-10 triple-double. N- never been done in history. You know, and this really struck me, Nike. 60 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists? Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Wow. But in the, in the, Wilt Chamberlain never did this. I mean, when you think about this, this has never been done in NBA history, ever. 60 20, he actually had 21 assists, or excuse me, 21 rebounds and 10 assists. Never been done in NBA <laughs> history. You know, with some of the incredible athletes we've had in the NBA over the years, that struck me that here we are in 2022, and that never been done. Pretty damn awesome. Well, the reason this is booze news, I have yeah. a clip here for you. So immediately after the game, the reporter uh, is talking to uh, Luca, and he requests something special. 60 point, 20 rebound, triple double. 60 points, 20 boards. Never, it never happened, baby. How's it feel right now? I'm tired as hell. <laughs> you can rest later. You're young. I need a recovery beer. Oh, we can handle that. Uh, <laughs> Did you understand that last part at the end? I'm tired as hell. I need I, a recovery beer. I need a recovery beer. I, that, is a, that, is a, that, that is a new phrase that I am adopting as part of the lexicon, man. I am I am going to use the phrase recovery beer uh, uh, may, uh, maybe love daily. May, maybe it. daily. You know what? When we wrap up the Hammer and Nigel show here at 7 o'clock tonight, I, I need a recovery beer right about then. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Guy Relford filling in for Hammer. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll go to the drivehuler.com hotline and bring on Tony Kinnett, investigative journalist for The Daily Signal. Tony, how are you? Fantastic, Nigel. And Tony, uh, in your previous life, you're a STEM administrator for IPS. You have an education background. You're an education journalist. Some of the stuff you focus on is in in education when you uh, do your writing. And uh, one of the things you retweet, you retweeted an article having to do with school choice. It says school choice surge. 2023 poised for parental rights outbreak in Republican states. Tell me about what this means. Well, two things. So first of all, school choice is an increasingly popular movement uh, among people of all political aisles. It's considered the rising tide that lifts all boats. A lot of parents are dissatisfied with a lot of public schools around the country that have languished in their academic provision. Uh, Even some of the best schools in our state here in Indiana have very lackluster reading uh, performance. A lot of parents want to be able to send their kids somewhere else. Um, And unlike in Indiana, where uh, you can get vouchers 
dollars for things like tuition to private schools. In other states, that's not possible. Your education tax dollars are going to go to public schools. Well, a lot of state legislatures are changing that. The other good news, and might I say my favorite news, is that a lot of parents' rights legislation, including transparency laws, uh, including curriculum laws, including bans on segregationist uh, curriculum treating students differently based on gender or color, um, or teaching things like the 6019 Project, those are also hitting state legislators in the upcoming sessions. And it's also gaining a ton of support because uh, parents are really tired of a lot of this garbage that they've found festering since the uh, since they discovered during the COVID-19 lockdowns. T- tell me more about school choice in Indiana. So if somebody, if, if parents are uh, unsatisfied with the education or the quality or even the school that, that their kids go to, they have an option to either drive them uh, somewhere else to a, to a better location, even though they don't live in the district? Yeah, that's correct. You can. Uh, there is state law that says you can send your kid to any public school that you would prefer as long as you're willing to cover transportation. Uh, but more so, if you make under a certain amount a year, uh, you are able to... Uh, use a state voucher to pay just the tuition costs mm. uh, to send your student or your child uh, to a charter school, to a private school, to somewhere else. Well, who in the um, world? Interest- go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, interestingly enough, I don't I don't think that's good enough. It doesn't cover the cost of uh, book fees. It doesn't cover the cost of a lot of other things that come with educating a kid. And it doesn't cover, for example, the cost of screening children for learning disabilities. I think that needs to change. Are there, because at the beginning of this segment, you said this is um, sort of a bipartisan thing we're seeing now. Are there people that are against school choice? Absolutely. Teachers unions, namely, uh, they're terrified of school choice. They think that if we open up the market so that the better schools uh, can receive students and the poorer schools, and by poor I don't mean economically, uh, because we find that in Indiana, um, our schools like Indianapolis public schools receive boatloads of money, but poor performing uh, academically, you know, they can't actually teach their kids how to read, fewer people will go there, and they're worried those schools will shut down, and it will be this horrible, horrible thing, Uh, whereas uh, you're seeing that a lot of parents, that's just not enough of an excuse anymore, and uh, their kids come first, uh, not the salaries of union officials. Yeah, so, so what's going on, do you think, especially in the in these red states what what do you think is happening with these legislatures and it sounds like indiana is doing pretty well in terms of um school choice and school vouchers but but other places are starting to take notice what's happening well, what you're seeing is a lot of states who have kind of establishment Republican old guard legislatures who are being told it's not good enough. Um, it's not enough now for you just to listen to the teachers unions and kind of be told very softly what you need to pass as far as education reform. You actually need to serve your constituents. And we see state legislatures that are being staffed uh, with more and more representatives and senators who are more concerned with giving parents the financial freedom to send their kid where they want. And I think that what you're seeing is a large shift away from this uh, kind of suckling at the teat of national public education being the only option. Uh, There appears to be an idea where we can treat it just like any other industry in the country, and that is one based on capitalism fueled by competition. And then you also mentioned parental rights. And if you could just maybe expand on that in the article and and exactly what that means and, and maybe just drill down there a little bit. 
parents' rights is a very simple concept. It's the idea that the parent has the ultimate authority of what their kid is taught, how they are taught it, and when certain things are and aren't allowed to happen to their child. It's the God-given right of parenthood. You made that kid, and therefore you have the constitutional rights therein to decide what that uh, child is told and what they are asked to do. This involves everything uh, regarding schools giving kids surveys that have a lot of really weird concerning stuff, taking time away from academics, uh, whether uh, places like in uh, South Madison and the, the Pendleton story that I recently released in which a school was asking uh, teachers to withhold information about a student's gender and pronouns from parents, or whether it's teaching racist or segregationist curriculum, like from the 1619 Project, like a lot of Indianapolis schools do. These things are a violation of parental rights, and so a lot of legislation around the country is being put forward to put the power back in the parents to determine what their kids will and won't be taught. Excellent. Love it. Tony Kennett here on the Hammer and Nigel Show, investigative journalist for the Daily Signal. I keep track of you. You're a good follow on Twitter. Uh, at the Tonus is uh, your, your Twitter account. Um, you were going back and forth with a journalist today. Uh, this has nothing to do with education, but I found it interesting. You and you and Ryan Martin, who I think he used to work for the Indy Star, and now he writes for uh, State Affairs S- Indiana. Stateaffairs.com. Um, Could you tell me about this article that he wrote about Marion County law enforcement asking for help from Indiana lawmakers? And then you had an issue with something in this article. Yeah, so the, the the article starts off uh, suggesting so there are these these cops in Marion County and they're stumbling upon these weapons that are dangerously similar to illegal machine guns and it's just such terrifying language and uh, you know Guy Relford you know he can definitely speak to this better than I can but according to federal law a machine gun which is really a euphemism for a fully automatic gun that's something that when you hold down the trigger bullets continue continue to come out of the gun, um, ordinances continually fired, that's already illegal under the the Firearms Act uh, from the 1930s. So you cannot just go out and and wield a fully automatic weapon. If you do, it has to be stamped by the ATF, and it has to be taxed. It's quite a hefty tax stamp that you have to pay annually in order to own a fully automatic weapon. So Ryan's article starts off with this this fear-mongering sensationalism of (laughs) the indie cops are finding these dangerous, you know, kind of submachine guns, machine guns fully. And I, I called him out on that because it's it's a very disingenuous way to frame uh, a, a firearm that a cop might be finding um, or a conversion kit, which would convert a semi-automatic firearm to a fully automatic firearm. So I asked him to tell me, were the firearms that cops are finding, are they semi-automatic, a.k.a. you pull the trigger once, one bullet comes out, were they semi-auto or were they fully automatic? And he wouldn't answer the question. So I accused him of sensationalism, and uh, it's just unfortunate to see that state affairs, which was supposed to be this nonpartisan, nonprofit, really bold step in journalism because the Indy Star is dying is basically just become Indie Star Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. Well, let me let me ask you this, and, and I'll push back just a little, play, playing devil's advocate here. You know, you read the story, and then he's talking about the, you know, interpreting existing state statutes. Is there a distinction between these conversion kits and illegal machine guns? 
But I don't know that I, I don't know that you guys were arguing about that, and so much as you were maybe um, going back and forth about his his wording and his, uh, like you said, sensationalism. Uh, it, it's kind of a part and part. So I disagree with the idea that we need to call the entire state legislature together and, and clarify laws on machine guns when uh, the federal statute has True. been very clear on this since the 1930s. Uh, and the ATF has been possibly overstepping in their bounds, very, very ardent in making sure that every single definitive step of what classifies fully automatic has been updated. They banned bump stocks in 2018 into 2019. And so to, to write this article, well, we need the state legislature to step up because cops have questions. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, if you do something federally illegal, uh, Indiana state police officers will arrest you. A sheriff will arrest you. If you are doing something that is illegal under a federal statute, of course. you don't need to just violate Indiana law. That makes no sense. And also, since the 90s, the federal government and the ATF have ruled Indiana state law fully compliant with federal law regarding everything from illicit substances to firearms. So it's kind of a non-article just made to be out, made out to be really kind of a fear-mongering sensational piece as given by the first paragraph. And I just don't have time for that. I, gun scares because we have constitutional carry <laughs> or because, you know, someone yeah. owns an AR-15 is, is goofy. I don't think that it's actually making anyone safer. It's just meant to scare the anti-gun crowd. Tony Kennett, what are you working on at the Daily Signal right now? Uh, yeah, sure. I've got a couple of interesting pieces coming up. There is a uh, school in Arkansas that has been taking a lot of money from a very popular supermarket chain. You might be able to guess the one that I'm talking about. And uh, it's basically to teach segregationist curriculum. Oh, wonderful. And this organization is also donated to uh, an individual who called all survivors of 9-11 uh, uh, mentally deficient, using a, a slur oh, for that. Boy. So, yeah, there, there's some interesting things that we've got coming out because people need to realize that some of these large corporations are donating directly against their interests to uh, some pretty horrific stuff. Tony, have a great week, man. I appreciate you coming on and uh, love having you on as always. Happy New Year to you and your family. Absolutely. Same to you and yours. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll be right back. We're in a small town where it feels like oh, yeah. Let's um, real quick give away some Zach Brown Band tickets. Never too early to start talking about the summer concert season 2023. Zach Brown Band, August 6th at Ruoff Music Center. If you're a caller nine right now, 239-9393, you'll get a pair. Uh, my name is Nigel. Guy Relford is in for Hammer. Did you see this guy from Purdue? This f- Purdue football player got arrested? Did oh, you, yeah. I remember this guy. This this, um, this guy. Okafor. Uh, che- Cheeky Okafor. Uh, he was a stud. Yeah, oh, I yeah. remember this guy playing at Purdue and went to the NFL for a while. Yeah, spent um, he's an all-star linebacker, went to Purdue, spent a decade in the NFL, arrested in Lafayette. I think this was last night after... <laughs> He was accused of attacking a neighbor in a dispute over video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the so Chike, uh, yeah, Chike Okafor's neighbor reported that he he came in without permission to confront his son, the neighbor's son, about a video game he'd been playing online with Okafor's son. So this is this turned into it's probably Fortnite from what I I could. <laughs> yeah, my son plays Fortnite, talks trash to his buddies all the time. And and basically the neighbor like, like get out of here. What are you doing? You know, for allegedly, according to the police report, assaulted him in the house, physically attacked him, and then family members had to break up 
the uh, the altercation. The uh, charge with battery, injury, residential entry. I mean, but you're right. Two times second team All Big Ten selection. Oh Buck yeah, he was a nominee. complete stud. Top linebacker. Spent a decade in the NFL. Niners, Seattle. Um, played with the Arizona Cardinals until he left yeah. the league in about 2010. So, are, are you reading this, Nige, as um, somebody who got their ass kicked? Uh, on vid- in some video game and was mad about it <laughs> well, no, and, went, I, I, and decided to get physical because I, no, he'd, he'd lost in a video I, I'm game? I'm reading... No, the one component you're missing is he went over to yell at this neighbor's son right? because of the way the other son was behaving. So their sons were having some sort of dispute online oh, in a video Okafor game. Okafor wasn't playing the video. He was, I don't think he was playing a video game. His son oh. was. See, so I he, thought it he was... went over to the neighbor's house okay. to confront I thought they the were son. like online playing against each other. <laughs> but either way, way like, though. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, know, well. you walk into somebody's house and you're not invited, you start yelling at their kids for the way they're playing uh, well, video games? Yeah, exactly. And by the way, residential entry is what Indiana calls breaking and entering. Um, so that's a felony. And not to mention the assault. Uh, but but you go charging into somebody else's house. That's again, Indiana that? call, calls that residential entry. That's a, that's a felony. And not only that, you do that to the wrong person or the wrong house. Well, because we have the castle doctor. Time. That's right? right. And and I can defend my home with deadly force if necessary against an illegal entry. Residential entry, by definition, is an illegal entry. That there's a whole lot of problems with this. I'm really disappointed because I was a fan of this guy, even though I'm not a, so much a fan of, of Purdue football because I'm an IU fan, yeah, a, a long suffering yeah. IU fan. Um, but uh, but I was a big fan of this guy because he was a stud at Purdue and and in the NFL both. You don't seem like a guy of being a Second Amendment attorney and licensed firearms instructor. You spend a lot of time playing video games you're not an an adult no i think it's interesting no No. in fact brian (laughs) baker i he and i were having a debate over uh whether anyone quote unquote needs an ar-15 one time when we were uh when we were on the air together and uh and and he, by the way, later uh, admitted fully he was wrong, admitted yeah. defeat. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he was very gracious about it, so I don't want to be a jerk and rub his nose in it. That, that would be inconsistent with the dialogue. But at one point, he was trying to make some kind of a point about the AR-15, and he goes, "Well, guy, you, you, you've played like uh, Call of Duty or you know video games, right?" And <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, lawyer, "I'm but... like, no, Brian, I I haven't." And he goes, "Come on, man, you don't play video games." I go, "No." <laughs> I go, I go. Growing up, uh, while you were doing that, I was outside yeah. playing football. There you go. And that, 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 that's that's. And I should I should not be picking on Brian because he was so gracious out of that he's, whole and thing. He's hosting. So, he's hosting with me tomorrow. Yeah, he so, is. Well, tell him I, I love him, and uh, and I'm not trying to dig that up we'll at, at his expense. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Guy Relford, the gun guy. Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor in for Jason Hammer. About 5.30 today. We'll be doing another Ask the Gun Guy segment. So if you have questions for the gun guy, you could call in and ask him any legal questions, any questions about firearm safety, anything you might have. We'll do that at 530. Seems to be a popular segment when uh, the gun guy fills in. I always love doing that. It's always a lot of fun. 
at five, and then at five o'clock earlier, uh, about an hour from now, I think we're getting one of my favorite guests on. Mike Hatton is a retired commercial airline pilot. Oh man, good time to talk to him. And, and he is going to try to break down exactly what's happening with Southwest Airlines. I'm, I'm, fa- he's a fascinating guest. I can talk I, a- aviation stuff with giant commercial airplanes is just something that I am. Uh, you know, I could talk to him an hour straight without a, at a commercial break. First, though, let's. <laughs> can you take me through this this headline from stateaffairs.com? I know you were you had to step out when I was talking to Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal earlier. Yeah, you weren't in. I, I know you had to step out, but Tony had sort of a problem with this article on stateaffairs.com that Ryan Martin, who's formerly the Indy Star, wrote. the The headline reads. New gun trend has Marion County law enforcement asking for help from Indiana lawmakers. And then there's a line in the story from Ryan that says, Two years ago, law enforcement grew concerned when they encountered a new trend in Indy. They were discovering guns capable of automatic fire, similar to an illegal machine gun. Uh, And then, like, I don't think Ryan, I kind of know Ryan, I think he's been on the show before. I don't think he quite saw this one coming from tony uh tony tweeted at him i'm begging you ryan please speak to someone who understands firearms before you write nonsense like this is the weapon itself capable of fully automatic fire because if it is it's a fully automatic weapon it's already illegal it's not a quote machine gun if it isn't your comparison is ignorant blah 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 so i I guess I could have Ryan, Ryan on too. I, I really don't care about this, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering what this what this article was about, and then maybe you can maybe you can help explain the law in terms of these conversion kits, and you know lawmakers in Marion County or law enforcement asking lawmakers for help with this quote unquote problem that we're having. Yeah, and and I didn't weigh in substantively on the uh, debate going on on Twitter. I, by the way, um, I, again, I don't really, I'm not sure I care that much about this, but I just like the beef. I like the feud. I, well, think, yeah. <laughs> I think fights I think fights and conflict are interesting, and that's what makes this, this show. Well, yeah, so. and, uh, and you know, for all of, of social media's uh, flaws uh, and, and detriments, uh, it's good for a good beef from time to time, but um, I actually just posted on there, I'll be talking about this, you know, with you, Nigel, yeah. um, uh, on Hammer and Nigel, and uh, Ryan Martin came back and and said that he actually reached out to me a week or two ago before the the article published because he wanted my perspective on these issues, but that we didn't connect. I'm sure through my fault, and uh, I apologize for that because I definitely could have helped out with this article and. What it is, is this happens often with firearms uh, technology. It happens often with firearm laws. One of the reasons I, I teach a class in, in gun laws here in Indiana, and that is that the, the article just misses the mark a bit in the sense that, uh, well, let's first of all, let's lay the groundwork. Um, what What's going on is that police are finding, and I've been reading about this, uh, as the article says, for a couple of years at least, but I've known about this technology for long, much longer than that. Um, I, I, let's take a, a, a Glock handgun. In Indiana, um, you know, those are legal. They're legal in the U.S. Glock actually makes uh, a version of the, the Glock handgun called a Glock 18 that's only sold in Europe and, and outside the U.S. They're illegal in Indiana because they're fully automatic. Fully automatic means you pull the trigger, you keep the, the trigger pulled back, and you get more than one round. And, and typically, it makes it a machine gun. Yeah. And typically, you know, it's going to shoot until it, it jams, malfunctions in some way, or it's empty. That's a machine gun. And the Glock 18 is a machine gun. It's relatively easy, and it's not advanced technology at all, to manufacture something called a Glock switch. 
where you can take your otherwise legal semi-automatic handgun in Indiana, install this Glock switch, and that makes it essentially a Glock 18. It makes it fully automatic. Which is illegal. Which is illegal. All Glock 18s are illegal. All machine guns are not illegal in the U.S. because if it was manufactured, imported, and registered before um, 1986... It's legal. It's called a transferable machine gun, and so you know you have machine gun shoots at some of the gun ranges around. Well, you know they they but it's allow be people. Registered it has to be before eighty six because they banned essentially all importation or, and and manufacture and registration for civilians. Military obviously can still have them, but for civilians. Uh, and non-law enforcement, um, importation, uh, manufacture, and registration all ceased in, in, in April of 1986. So, and, and none of the Glock 18s were manufactured before that date, so they're all illegal. Yeah. If I if I take one of these conversion kits, it's called a Glock switch, and install it into my otherwise previously legal Glock semi-automatic handgun, I have made a machine gun, which is illegal under federal law, and yes, it is unquestionably illegal under Indiana law. The article in State Affairs, and, and by the way, I'm not completely familiar. Is that like an offshoot of Indie Star, or is it a whole no, different organization? I think it's a different. I okay. think it's a different All outlet. Right. Well, and, but that article that 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 Ryan Martin wrote, it, it just it missed the point by a little bit because the current confusion is it, there's no confusion over if I put a Glock switch in a semi-automatic handgun, is that now illegal under both state and federal law? The answer is yes. That's unequivocal. There's no doubt. There's no ambiguity about that. It's a machine gun. The question I think that he was trying to answer, and he missed the the just missed the mark. Of it, uh, is that the question becomes, is the switch itself, before it's installed in a gun, is the switch illegal? So, can you manufacture, can you can you prosecute, I should say, someone for a crime if they're just found with one of these switches in their possession, before they install it in a gun? Because there's no question. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I can give you the, the statute. I mean, it's very you know easy to look up. You look up. So, you got one of these switches in your pocket. I get, get, yeah, or, or, or I'm, I'm selling them here in Indiana. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, and and someone wants to come purchase them, um, but but you know, Indiana code very clearly says a person who knowingly or intentionally owns or possesses a machine gun commits a level five felony. Period. And a machine gun is defined very simply as um, a, a, a gun that results in firing more than one round per trigger pull. So that's a crime. But 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 the question becomes: Is the switch itself possession of the switch itself a crime? Because there's two different provisions that deal with machine guns in Indiana. One deals with transfer of machine guns to anyone under 18. That says a machine gun is defined as a machine gun is otherwise defined, as I just went through, or any part that makes a gun a machine gun. Ah. But when you talk about the possession crime, which is possession of a machine gun, it just defines it as a gun that fires more than one bullet per trigger pull. So there's that there's that, there's that that ambiguity there for possession of the switch itself, not the gun. Yeah. And that's why when Ryan Mears is quoted as saying, well, we're still prosecuting people, and, and admittedly it's an aggressive reading of the statute, I think it's because he's trying to prosecute people for possession of a machine gun when they just have the part. Or they have the gun and the part, but it has the part hasn't been installed in it to make a machine gun. That's the point that, that where there is some ambiguity. Well, and uh, it's concerning enough that, that they're indicating in this article that Marion County law enforcement is asking help from Indiana lawmakers. Yeah, on because, this. is and, that necessary? Well, I mean, and, like, and it is something. I, I've you know if if 
if law enforcement is concerned and has has concerns about this, I mean, we certainly should pay attention to it. I think. Yeah, I mean, one thing to know before we we say we def, definitely need a change in the law at the state level is that that part is already illegal alone. Okay. Just the part is illegal at the federal level, and the article says something like, "Well, the feds don't always want to take these cases." Mm, I beg to differ. I defend those cases, and they love machine gun cases, and that part <laughs> itself is clearly illegal. In fact, I wanted to send you an ad for one of these switches before the show today. <laughs> And I went out and Googled uh, Glock switch for sale. Oh, you just got I fully, I fully expected knock on the door from the ATF going, why are you Googling this? So you this, can young buy man? those on the internet? Yeah, for 69 bucks. I found them. And that's why it is, I think, a legitimate concern in the sense that, um, that there's a lot of them and police are, in fact, finding them. There is, in fact, an ambiguity in Indiana law. And I could see legislators, even yeah. the, the article quotes Aaron Freeman. Aaron was a rock star on constitutional carry. He was one of our big. Uh, proponents. He was a hero. I think he saved it in the Senate personally, um, and and was fabulous. On he's fabulous generally on two A issues. He even said, "Yeah, I think maybe we ought to take a look at this um, because if we can help cops who are finding these illegally uh, manufactured machine guns on this on the street, you know, we ought to clear up any ambiguity in federal or excuse me in Indiana All law." Right. So, I, you know, I, I and, and and it is true to say that machine gun is defined two different ways in two different places in the code, and we typically want those definitions to be consistent so we don't have that kind of ambiguity. And I think Tony Kennett's problem too was with the, some of the sensationalistic as he called it uh, well he said you know, oh my god it's similar yeah. to an illegal machine gun and and i think tony was reading it as saying a simple semi-automatic gun because we see this all the time i mean you know as grandpa relford says just because you're paranoid don't mean they ain't out to get you because I, i've read in the media a million <laughs> times where it, it's where they're talking about semi-automatic guns and they say well it's similar to a machine gun i mean they you know they, okay they, they, that's they, his point well okay. and, you know the ar-15 yeah. is yeah, demonized yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time saying all it, the time. it's a you know it's a military style assault weapon well i know it's not because it's semi-automatic it's not automatic so so we've been beat up on that issue as second amendment proponents for a damn long time that's why some of that some of that reaction is warranted from tony but i think here it was a different point and then also you know i'm reminded of the fact that ryan martin was the one that put out the article the very next day after your client eli uh took down the greenwood park mall shooter he the the article in indy star was basically questioning you know was it legal for him to have a firearm in and that, yeah. like people are really concerned yeah, right. like like anybody really cares if it was legal or not like th- that was the question the indie star had that's what they gleaned from the whole thing was yeah. it legal for him to have a firearm in the food court right and, 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 and i just you know and it, he in the article to be very he's like no it's legal and i just kind of rolled my eyes when i saw that again, uh, you know typical of the indie star and i don't subscribe to the indie star and the, you know they, <laughs> as you know they won't let you read the articles without a subscription but i had a ton of people send me those quotes and you know what if 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 my if my kids or grandkids kids were in that 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 that, that food uh, that food court yeah. and somebody pulled out a completely Ill- an illegal machine gun <laughs> and they with a that. manufactured Glock switch in yeah. it and 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 killed the bad guy and saved uh, you know countless innocent lives including my kids or grandkids in that food court would my focus be on whether the gun was legal the or headline not? in Indy Star would be illegal gun in food court yeah exactly so Needs I mean to be and, arrested so that's why Tony. Kenneth's reaction is understandable because we've been beat up on issues like that yeah. for so long. 
wrong. And here, there is a big fault in the article because he's confusing a converted gun, which is clearly a machine gun. There's no question about Indiana law on that point with the switches themselves. And uh, and that that could could stand to be clarified one way or the other, because when we when we define a term like machine gun multiple places in the code, it ought to be defined the same way in those multiple places. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this... Anything on All right, Guy Relford filling in for Hammer. I'm going to give you some stories. Some of my favorite Is This Anything stories from the past year. We've been kind of revisiting some of the best of Is This Anything. And we'll start here at Granny at a gas station in Jacksonville, Florida. I had to be told the hose was still in her car. It was ripped from the pump. And when an employee asked for her insurance information, well, the old lady just drove away instead. <laughs> hey, hey! You snatched the whole hose out! The old granny drives away from the gas station with the hose still stuck in her car. She ripped it from the pump and then she just drives away. Are you uh, are you okay with this or is this anything? Well, I don't think it's anything because I think it's an incredibly common occurrence, Nige. I mean, uh, okay, uh, I, uh, tr- tr- truth. I won't say pr- we won't play truth or dare, or just truth. Yeah. Have you ever done this? You ever pulled away from a pump with a with a nozzle no. still in it? No, I've pulled away from the pump after having prepaid inside uh-huh. and not filled up my gas tank. <laughs> which I okay. felt really dumb. Luckily, I pulled back around uh, like five minutes later when I realized what I'd done, and there was nobody had filled up yet. So, but no, I've never done that. And I just love how this old lady is. <laughs> she doesn't care. Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, yeah. You and know, she, and the fact thing, she drives away. This um, thing was broken. No, well, no, it wasn't. It's broke now. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they've changed the technology on those pumps years ago. When I did this, because I in fact did oh this. you did do yeah it. no I no I did do this oh, it was wow, probably very big of you to admit probably thirty plus years ago but they've totally changed the technology because now when you do it there's a little uh, ball and socket uh, mechanism in these things now that seals it uh, okay that so seals the hose so it doesn't just spew gas everywhere uh, that was not the case when I did mine <laughs> it could have been forty years ago to be honest with you it was a damn long time ago um, I it was it was um, you know, I got in. I I pumped gas. I got back in the car. I got distracted. Uh, I, I'd already paid for it. It was before you use you know cards at the pump. Yeah, I'd already paid for oh, it. Yeah. And I I pulled away. And I kind of heard this little <laughs> clump clump, and uh, looked back to see uh, gas uh, spewing out of the pump. The employee had to come shut the pump off. How much was it? Do you remember? Uh, how much you oh had? gosh, it was. 
I want to say in the hundreds. It wasn't in the thousands, but this was a damn long time ago. Yeah. Um, but they've changed that technology to where now you do it. It doesn't. It doesn't spew gas everywhere. So, I and maybe I'm just saying it's a common occurrence because I was the dumbass who did it personally. Um, but um, but I think this has happened so often anymore. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, and, and this old lady too is you know under the mindset. I'm old. I don't have time for this. See you later. Yeah, right. Call the police. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Here, this one's right down your alley. Yeah. A partially blind man in Ohio ended up shooting a home intruder in the butt during a burglary attempt here's part of the 911 call where the victim of the home invasion tells the dispatcher that he shot the intruder somebody broke in my back door i got a shot off and he was coming right towards me i fired a shot off i don't know if he hit him or not uh again both you know the victim and the uh the guy that was the burglar both are fine the guy that he shot in the butt are okay the guy's being charged with burglary but uh partially blind man with the gun uh shooting an attempted burglar in the butt what do you think is this anything yeah well it's something because i you know i i like seeing him and i I don't root for anybody to get shot but at the same time i like it when uh someone's able to defend their home and here someone broke in and and listen the fact that the guy was blind and he's just well partially firing yeah. off uh, the, but apparently know. he wasn't so blind uh, yeah. as to not hit his target and uh, and you know and the burglar's lucky you know if i had to pick you know that's uh, some some location on my body to get shot in uh if I, of all the, if i could pick the location i would pick my butt the butt no sure i mean you know hopefully it's uh something bit me <laughs> here real quick right. let's do one more here yeah, uh, sure. listen to this exchange between a guy in his backyard and a neighbor lady who is holding a gardening tool while straddling their adjoining wall she's hell-bent on cutting down a large plant in his yard and she swears up a storm when he won't let her you're trespassing you're threatening me with a weapon climbing oh, a wall shit. yeah i have you on camera and oh, i have I'm you not threatening you, you, you were, go okay cut that. is this your plant <laughs> is this your property no it's not it would be against the law to climb that wall and to cut these plants i'm Okay, now you're threatening to blow up the damn place? I'm calling the cops, Diane. You damn son of a bitch! You too, Diane. Have a good day. I'm going to have my camera set, so if anything happens, I'll know exactly who did it. You were nothing but rude and belligerent. Have a good day, ma'am. Oh, you son of a Yes, you too. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. And she's you see the footage of this crazy old bat is just straddling this wall that separates their house. And she's got shears in her hand. Is this anything, guy? Uh, well, you know, I'm going to say no, because <laughs> if there's anything I just have no time uh, for, it's uh, neighbor disputes. And, and I have people wander in my office occasionally. Uh, and, you know, and, and they'll say I was defending my home or, you know, whatever. And they'll kind of try to tie it into a 2A issue. Neighbor disputes are exhausting. <laughs> and, and they're never ending. And I and I and I and I, I just oh, have no time. It's like I'm domestic. so lucky. I have awesome neighbors. I don't have to worry oh, about man. that stuff. I'll tell you what. I you know some of these and, and I there's a friend of mine is calling me repeatedly now wanting it legal advice because um, the neighbor keeps you know building these structures on the on the on on, on the borderline yeah, between the two yeah, properties yeah, yeah. and the fence is getting higher and higher and it, you know doesn't this violate code and I'm just like I'm so sorry. I really truly apologize on the front end. Not only do I not care. But I was absent the day they taught pissing contest between neighbors in law school. Uh, all right, well, I'm, I'm sorry, not 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 not, right. not me. I'm not the lawyer for this. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Turn it up. 
My name is Nigel, the gun guy, filling in for Jason Hammer. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Time for the side piece with Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey Show. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Awesome. Um, big news today, obviously, it was breaking during our show last night mm-hmm. that the Supreme Court voted 5-4 to, for now, keep Title 42 in place, which mm-hmm. is a, a Trump-era policy that, um, and it's good news, I think, for those serving on the border, but this was a policy that uh, put in place to immediately deport or turn away illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. It was a public health policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Supreme Court 5-4 voted to let it alone for now. We're going to revisit the issue in February. The thing that concerns me is that Biden just doesn't have a plan. I think they did Biden a huge favor. What do you, I mean, they did him a huge favor here. He doesn't have a plan when this ends well, and the tens of thousands of, uh, of people that want to cross this border illegally and that will. I don't know what you're talking about, Nigel. I've heard that he's working on it. <laughs> well, I've heard he's yeah, working about, on it. Something about Title Eight or something like that. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> on one hand, he says, uh, well, Karine Jean-Pierre says, we're working on it. We're yeah. working on it. And then on the other hand, and there's more important things to worry about. Oh, he said that, yeah, when he right. was in Arizona. So which one is it? Are you working on it, or is there more important well, things to work on? Well, look, maybe you'll work on it when he gets back from his vacation uh-huh. in the Virgin Islands. Yes, yeah, down there in St. Croix. Uh, by the way, taking more vacation than Trump did, than Obama did, than Bush did. <laughs> well, he is 80 years old. Well, take a long weekend, but yeah. my goodness, don't get on your private jet and no. fly down to oh, the please. He Caribbean. He, he hasn't had to deal with any of the Southwest Airlines. Uh, right. cancellations. He's got a. He's got Air Force One. He's got uh-huh. Hunter Biden and his crack pipe in tow. Standing and, by. Uh, and they'll be uh, enjoying St. Croix throughout the holiday. Yeah. And meanwhile, the border is in crisis. It was, right. again, good news for those serving at the border that mm-hmm. like they don't have to deal with this giant... In- even though there is an influx. I mean, there's been like four million since Biden took off. Well, have you seen the tent that they have oh, built yeah. in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the cargo containers along the Arizona border yep. and of course the governor of Arizona was told he had to remove those because they're on federal land. Yeah. Oh sorry, just our state being <laughs> invaded. I'm wondering what it's worth to be an American citizen at this point. Like, where's the sovereignty of our nation? What's what the, the price people are paying is is nil mm-hmm. at this point. You go in, you you get amnesty, and that's the plan. Yeah, and, a, a and a free Democrats. iPhone. You know, I, I saw a reporter last night, somebody was asking the reporter, well, where, where are these migrants going after they cross the border? And the reporter answered by saying, well, they get to pick from different cities that they want to go to, like sure. Denver or Chicago. San Diego. Or... San Diego's having a real problem. Is that what we're doing now? We get to pick? Look, I, I don't begrudge anybody for trying to get here uh, and and do it do it legally. Do it legally. I have That's relatives. I have relatives that did it legally. Mm-hmm. It took her ten years almost. Took mm-hmm. her almost a decade to do it right. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars in lawyers' fees. Oh, really? So uh, I'm not. I do don't don't begrudge anybody for coming here. I, I pray that I never have to make the decision because my if my country turns into an asshole like some of these uh, mm-hmm. that down there. That that I I just we can't be a country and have this porous open border with fentanyl and human trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's the human traffickers that are benefiting from this. Absolutely. It's, and it's the, the cartels that are only ones that are benefiting from this. And Well, the human smugglers, yeah, the cartel. I mean, imagine the gumption that these people have. They're collecting money on American soil yeah. while they're smuggling humans in. And Absolutely. It's, it's a crisis, and it's for everybody. Not only the people that are trying to seek asylum, 
but also yes. the communities that have to deal with it. The people that are truly trying to seek asylum, it's a huge problem. It's a them. huge problem for them. Um, they're not all good actors, though. No. These aren't no, no, all no, no. good people coming here with righteous purpose. Um, you know, you've got... It's it's a problem for the cities. It's a problem for the states. It's a problem for the border patrol. Yeah. I, I heard the statistic that... 14, I think the number was 14 border agents have committed suicide in this year, and it's the highest number it's ever been. Some border agents have lost their lives trying to save illegal migrants crossing the river down there. Yeah, I mean, it's and and what we're doing is instead of plugging the hole, we're just taking more buckets down. Uh, That's it. They've kicked the can down the road here again, and I Mm -hmm. thought it was interesting that Justice Gorsuch sided sided with the liberals. I know. Uh, Trump appointed Gorsuch saying, quote, the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis. The court shouldn't be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only Mm -hmm. because elected officials have failed to address a different Mm-hmm. Emergency. Mm-hmm. He is so right that Congress ha- has yet to act on this border crisis, well, and it doesn't matter anyway because Biden's not enforcing the rules on the books already. No, and but it is becoming a health crisis, not a COVID crisis, but a health crisis because these people are sleeping in airports. It's awful, and yeah. on streets. streets in El Paso. Yeah, yeah, and there's young it's children. A humanitarian there. crisis. Yeah, it is a total humanitarian crisis across I, I'm the board. I'm sick to my stomach when I see those kids out there. And and what is our president? do. Goes to St. Croix. Gets on a plane and flies to the Caribbean. We'll see. Yeah. uh, The Supreme Court did him a big favor, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, What were you talking about earlier with uh, Brian Baker? I know Brian's filling in for Rob on your show. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the micro, not not microaggressions, but... Oh, micro-annoyance? What was that? Okay, so... What is it? It was was an article that came out about micro-annoyances that parents have, but then it kind of crosses over to... You know what I'm talking about. You've, You've got children when they say, Dad, 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 Oh, they don't yeah, listen to me at all. Like, oh my gosh, they don't listen to what? me at all. They don't listen to you me know, at all. You love them, but that's I, one of those little micro annoyances. Like I perpetrate micro annoyances on my wife. I feel like all the time, everything I do annoys her. <laughs> well, like, leaving the dishes in like, the in the sink, mm-hmm. uh, when chewing the, too when the, loud. When there's an empty dishwasher, sure, chewing too loud. <laughs> uh, leaving my slippers. Yes, I have slippers. All mm-hmm. right, don't make fun of me. I leaving my slippers on the stairs. You know what annoys her? Why don't you oh. put them in the closet? I, I just I don't even think about it. I, I don't. I, I should think about it more. Um, <laughs> oh, I got one for you. Yeah. I got a micro annoyance for you. Oh, you no. never log out of the computer at our in our studio. So I have to go oh, in there because no. I sit at your station, right? We sit at both the same yeah, station yeah. in the studio. Yeah. And you ne- I you don't, never log out. I, I could easily get into your email. Oh, no. I could easily send out a company-wide email via Casey Daniels' email. And, <laughs> what and are you, what are you inappropriate, possibly uh, going to say? Something, something inappropriate. <laughs> so I, I do you the big favor. I log out. You're and, right. And I, I don't have to log, log out. back in. I close all my windows out, but you now you're saying that I have to actually log <laughs> you out. You have to log out hmm. because otherwise I could get into your email and see all your personal stuff. Well, now that but I, I haven't that, done that, I know now that I know it annoys you. I'm never <laughs> logging out. I'm just going to continue to do it. Let me ask you um, uh, along the same lines of these micro annoyances. Mm-hmm. Somebody put a list together on Reddit mm-hmm. of the ten things women do that men are baffled by. Okay. And number one on this, yeah, I, I want to know if you're the same person because my is wife it farting? is farting. No, yes, that's really annoying, <laughs> especially no, the ten, Dutch oven. Don't ten, do yes, that. Yes, wife, stop. But these are the ten <laughs> things women do that are men are baffled by. Number one, uh-huh. two words: decorative pillows. Oh yeah. 
dude. I got rid of them, Nigel. Oh, you did? You and my wife need to have a conversation. Because I got sick of taking them off and on the bed all the time. I was like, who is this for? We don't even use these. It's wasted money. Bed with two people needs eight pillows. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But I have them. Okay, they're not on our bed. Mm -hmm. It's not a problem on our bed. It's a problem on our couch. On a couch, yeah. Here's the thing. I am guilty of that. I'm not allowed. (laughs) Oh, you do have them on the couch. I do have them on the couch. Is anybody listening right now? uh, (laughs) At Hammer and Nigel and tag Casey in it. Uh, But what are you? At Casey? Uh, Casey Casey Daniels Daniels. 317. If you've got those decorative pillows on your couch. And my wife won't let me sit on them. She won't let me use them. Like when I sit down and put my foot up on the ottoman, Mm -hmm. I grab the pillows and kind of put them around me and kind of smush them and have a nice. Yeah. Get some arm, arm No, rest. no, I am not allowed to smush those oh, things. No, I'm not I allowed use to touch my decorative them. decorative pillows. Do yeah. you? No, yeah, I'm not allowed in yeah, my house. So much so, I have a, a white cream-colored one. It's getting a little dirty. I think it's time to be replaced. So here's yeah. here's. I'll give you two more, and then and then we'll get out of here. But okay. um, uh, these are the ten things women do that men are bad. I won't go through the entire ten. <laughs> uh, number two, being mad about something he did in your dream last night. Oh, you wake up mad at your husband yeah. sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm baffled by that. It's like I didn't really do. It. Have you ever had the cheating dream? <laughs> I don't think where, so. Where your wife cheats on you in your dream and you yeah. wake up and you're mad no. at her? <laughs> Do you, is that a problem? Do you have that, that dream? I have oh had that dream gosh. before. Well, maybe that's... You shouldn't be that. That's Does that have to do with like a psychological thing, like insecurities or something like that, you think? No, clearly we're okay. all good here. Okay. <laughs> and then here, uh, we'll end with number three. There's We could go through the list. The obsession with popping pimples. Ew. Why do so many women love that? My wife loves to do it oh. if I have my shirt on. No, no you don't like that? Uh, gross. Okay, good. She I'm glad pops to hear your you pimples? That. Yes. Well, she wants to. I won't let her. Oh. Like if I had like a little one on my back and I just get out of the shower and she notices, oh, let me have that. Ew. Let me see that. Let me pop it. Oh, let me pop God. it. And trust me, my reaction is the same way. You know what? I don't want to. I don't want to sit on your decorative <laughs> pillows now. Yeah, I wouldn't either. It's on there. Casey Daniels <laughs> from the Kendall and Casey Show, nine to noon Monday through Friday. You have a wonderful new year. We'll talk you to you soon. Too. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, figure out exactly what's going on with this Southwest Airlines meltdown. Thousands, tens of thousands of flights canceled over the past week. And we'll talk to a former commercial airline pilot, one of the best, Mike Hatton, after 5 o'clock. This is right down your alley, guy. Um, I like seeing these stories. I like it when bad guys who try to rob you and try to harm you uh, wind up dead. Uh, sorry, I do. I like it. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I don't. Tow truck driver with concealed permit shoots armed robber dead is the headline out of Detroit. Um, robber was meeting up with this tow truck driver under the guise of selling the driver a junk car. So he was ambushed when he arrived at that location for the car. Robber tried to hold him up driver responded by shooting him dead detroit police shooting was in self-defense and that's it wipe your hands bing bam boom you're dead um i guess you play stupid games the stupid prizes uh, analogy kind of works there that that old saying goes but you know i i wish more of this would happen maybe crimes would cut down well yeah maybe, maybe I mean, crime it, would be reduced i mean clearly justified right a uh, guy tries to rob you in indiana uh you can use deadly force to prevent the commission of a what we call a forcible felony 
robbery, yeah. clearly a forcible felony. So no question it's justified. I think a real lesson here, too, though, is, man, there are too many of these uh, robberies that occur where people are meeting someone they don't know yeah, to buy something thing. often for cash. Right. And and it happens with drugs a lot, but it also happens with things that people are just selling, you know, off the Internet. Um, and uh, and, and pair of Yeezys. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think there's a real lesson here, which is you're going to meet somebody and give them oh, money for something you're buying from them. Man, I, I, I'd i be reluctant to do that at all as compared to, uh, you know, doing something online where payments made online, you know, they, they, they yeah, like they, eBay. Yeah. Yeah. Like eBay or something along those lines. And then, but the other is, is where you do that. I mean, you know, I, I, I one time I, I was buying something, I don't even remember what it was. And, um, I said, let's do it in the parking lot of a, a very well-lit business, uh, you know, right up uh, next to the business, uh, just because I wanted somebody to think twice yeah. uh, about being somewhere where they'd want to, you know, try to rip me off. <laughs> and or, of course, you'd be the wrong guy to do that. Well, I would hope anyway. so. I would hope so. Um, it, it, but, 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 you know, it, but, hey, the tow truck driver was prepared. The good guy won. The bad guy lost. Uh, and you know me, Nigel, I don't, I don't necessarily celebrate any, any loss of life, but if somebody was going to yeah. lose their life here, I'm sure glad it was the bad guy. All right, Guy Relford's here. My name is Nigel. About a half hour from now, we'll do Ask the Gun Guy. You're a Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor. You'll be able to call here, talk to Guy live, any legal questions you might have, any firearm safety questions you might have. Hopefully, we'll get the uh, uh, commercial airline pilot, Mike, our uh, buddy, fascinating guest, on a little bit after 5 o'clock to talk about the Southwest Airlines debacle. That's next, 93 WIBC. Hammer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is out. Second Amendment attorney and licensed firearms instructor Guy Relford. The gun guy in for Hammer. Guy, how are you? I'm great, man. It's always a pleasure to be here with you, Nigel. Southwest Airlines continues to be a huge story in this country. Thousands of passengers stranded over the past couple of days. Thousands of flights canceled. Hundreds of flights here in Indianapolis canceled. Over 15,700 Southwest flights have been canceled since last week, originally due to the weather it sounds like there's some sort of operational uh, malfunction going on within the the company and that brings us to the drivehubler.com hotline we'll bring on the expert one of our favorite guests mike hatton former commercial airline pilot to give us some perspective mike hope you had an awesome holiday hope you're having a, a great week how are you I am great. I'm having a great holiday, uh, continued, extended, and thank you for having me on again. It's great to be back. All right, Mike. So give us your 30,000-foot perspective, um, literally, former commercial <laughs> like, airline pilot. Yeah. That, that was a good pun. That, I, I, I'm not a big fan of puns, but that's outstanding. What do you, It seems like it's something more than just the weather, obviously, with Southwest Airlines. What are you hearing? Uh it is. And what, what I'm seeing and the things that I'm hearing from their messaging, which, frankly, Southwest messaging has been very soft, and that's very common for the airlines, and they just think things like this will go away. But this one's not. 
the main thing I'm hearing, this is a technology problem. They did not invest in technology when they merged and grew exponentially. Their systems can't keep up with it, and that's uh, training systems, that is booking systems, reservation systems, and it's the crews have not been able to communicate with scheduling. Uh, they can't get a hold of crews. They can't get pilots and flight attendants moved into position for other flights. This is the worst I have ever seen. And you guys know me. You've had me on the show before. Yeah. I usually try to walk a very fine line, balanced, uh, not criticize the airlines too hard, not criticize the employees or the unions. But this is one where Southwest has been woefully inadequate in their response to this, in my opinion. And I don't speak for any airlines or any employee group. You know, Mike, it surprises me, though, because Southwest has been an airline that I've flown hundreds of times. And I've not not necessarily experienced any problems. Maybe to reschedule here or there, or maybe a delay. But but you're telling me this is all coming to a head now. Um, like, why haven't they had to deal with this problem necessarily this bad before? Why is it just coming? Why is it just po- poking its head out now? It's been patchwork. Okay. Uh, the the weather hasn't been as bad as it has this time. This has been, you know, a pretty significant weather event around, and uh, they just aren't able to do this. Denver is hit really hard. Midway is hit really hard, which is what's affecting uh, you. I think you have a lot of flights out of Indianapolis that go go through Midway. And uh, some employees I have seen in Denver have been asked to submit sick slips from doctors if they were sick. Now, this is, you know, they, they call it the tridemic, you know, the RSV, the COVID, the flu. Sure. And, uh, you know, the, the employees are stretched in, and uh, they have declared the emergency operation conditions there where they can require legally employees to submit a sick slip like you're in the third grade. And Mike, this is Guy. Uh, and didn't this uh, appear to be as well? And, and you've alluded to this already. And um, and I don't want to throw another pun out there, but but it was somewhat of a perfect storm in the sense that we did have uh, incredibly adverse weather across a big part of the United States. I mean, a lot of cities experienced very adverse weather, whether it was snow or incredibly high winds, combined with a lot of people are sick right now, given the time of year and the the quote-unquote tridemic. And then you had a a rush of holiday travelers that are, to some degree, are going to overload the system to some degree. And then the very recent rapid growth of Southwest with a dramatic increase in the number of flights, the number of, of, of not only passengers, but crew and airplanes that they have to keep track of. And the system just couldn't come anywhere close to handling all those stresses that really seemed to hit them pretty much at once. I would agree 100% with that guy. And by the way, it's very nice to talk to you. This is the first time we've talked. Absolutely. Um, You are right on target. But the one thing I would say is all of the other airlines had the same thing to deal with. Yes. Mm -hmm. All of these cancellations the last since December 22nd, Southwest, the statistic I saw is responsible for over 80 percent of those nationwide combining all the airlines. Uh, And this is just really this is just they're using systems from the 90s booking systems from the 90s and uh, it caught up to them because this was a major event so what is what is a recourse here we're speaking with the former commercial airline pilot one of our buddies mike hatton here on the hammer and nigel show mike what is you know pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary has been on tv today talking tough biden administration talking tough we're gonna investigate this but really like, what are they going to be able to do realistically, do you think, when we're talking about uh, a government investigation into this? 
Well, this is uh, this is an excellent question, and and Guy can probably offer some insight into this too, being an attorney, a two A attorney. And by the way, uh, Guy, you're my favorite kind. I had uh, <laughs> career as a law a law enforcement officer. Uh, awesome, in career, fantastic. Yeah, so uh, so anyway, so you obviously uh, went through the flight deck uh, firearms training program then too. I'm guessing. Well, actually, I did. Awesome. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean to detract because I, I I could have a whole other conversation with you about that. Well, we'll, we'll do it sometime. But yep. anyway, the question about uh, what can the government do? Uh, it's been my experience, and this is where I say guy might have some uh, some input here. It's been my experience that the government really likes to work with the airlines. They try to balance uh, regulatory enforcement along with economic growth, too. They don't want to harm the airlines economically. And as long as you show that you're trying as an airline and you don't embarrass the government, they will work with you and they won't treat you too harshly. But when you embarrass the government, it's been my experience as, as a manager when I was at the airline, they will come in and they will hit you with a hammer, no pun intended, hit it, hit you very hard with that. And uh, I think that that can be done in this case and may be done. And that can be in the form of heavy fines. Uh, they can reevaluate routes. Uh, they can look at applications for new routes and maybe look at those in a different light, less favorable than they would have before all this happened. There's a number of levers they can pull. Yeah, and Mike, I bet you can empathize with, with this as, uh, as, as a, a former pilot yourself, or former commercial pilot. Um, and that is that I've seen some posts, and, and you know it's social media, so you don't quite know what's authentic and what's not. But I've seen a bunch of different posts um, that are very similar in in content, and they are essentially from primarily pilots, the one I've seen, and but some other crew members as well, that are saying, listen, we've been impacted by this too. We are stuck in airports. We can't get flights. We can't get airplanes. Uh, and and, and, and when even walking through the airport in uniform, you know, they, they, they seem to get the hateful looks from people essentially saying, aha, these are the, the crews that don't want to work or the crews that are in a, a labor dispute or something, and we're paying the price as passengers. And what I've seen repeatedly in this instance, specifically with Southwest, is the crews and the pilots in particular are expressing as much frustration as the passengers saying, look, we've been stranded places we don't want to be. Uh, we, we can't get hotel rooms. we got people sleeping in, in hotel lobbies in, 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 in cities where they don't live. And, 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 and it's frustrating for them that they, to some degree, are getting blamed for it by passengers who may not have the full picture. You're absolutely right. And by the way, thank you for mentioning that there are other other groups than the pilots because yeah. uh, they work just as hard and in many cases harder. If you think about it, the flight attendants are the first face that people see when they get on the airplane and the last face they see when they get off. They are the first and last chance for those passengers to have a good experience. And they are taking it hard uh, from a uh, passenger attitude standpoint on this. Pilots and flight attendants want to see people have a good flight, even in times of labor turmoil. There will always be labor turmoil, and it will always get worked out. But the one thing that we always wanted to do, and I've been through it, is make sure that passengers had a good experience, because we tell people, we tell our people we're training at the airlines, there's always somebody in the back of that airplane that it's their first time they've ever flown, they're going to a funeral, they're going to a wedding, they're going to see a, a relative that they may never see again who's ill and um, we want those people to have as good an experience as they can all right mike before we let you go 
I always have some like random airline uh, commercial pilot questions that uh, you know I could talk your ear off for an hour. And, and when you next time you get to Indy, we'll go to St. Elmo's and I'll buy you dinner. And and I get to the only the only deal is I, I get to pepper you with uh, commercial you know aviation. Oh, questions. I got to horn myself into this. Yeah, I, you, both you the dinner too. and the conversation. Absolutely. So I've I, got a history history at St. Elbows that he knows about yeah. the backstory. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. So I'm reading this headline. I clicked on this headline on Drudge Report that said uh, uh, let's see here. I, uh, I am a Boeing 747 pilot. I've seen UFOs defying all known tech I captured a cigar-shaped object on camera. I, this is one of those British tabloids. Have you, as a uh, pilot in uh, private or commercial, ever seen something similar to what you would call a UFO? Well, that's an easy question. I thought it was going to be like the first show where you got me to choke. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, I haven't. Um, I have not, and I have friends that have said they have, but I have not. Really? But I, you know what? I got to admit, I am uh, a junkie on uh, a lot of these shows—the ancient aliens and uh, things yeah. like that. Especially since the government has released a lot yes, of these. Yes, exactly. Uh, Recently. Lately. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and you okay? You kind of mentioned it before. We don't have to get extensive into it, but as a commercial pilot, did uh, you carried in the cockpit? Um. Yes. You allowed to talk about that at all? You, I mean, you have to go through training, obviously, but I, I feel much more secure and better if I knew that the oh, pilot, absolutely. you know well, what I mean, guy. Well, there was the the, uh, the flight deck officer training program that uh, was instituted after 9-11, and, uh, and, and, and they got some of the best training in the industry. Uh, obviously, you've got an incredibly sensitive environment being in an airplane, yeah. crying out loud, um, but I was a huge fan of that, and, when I, and I actually got to um, sort of... Uh, monitor a, a big chunk of that training and uh, and Mike I guarantee you got some absolutely outstanding training in going through that I was a big fan of that whole program and in particular the training program they put together yes it's an excellent program and like I said I had a background in law enforcement over yeah. uh, in West Virginia not too far from you I was a state policeman here I was a founding member of a tactical team response team oh, wow. we didn't call it SWAT but we called it spear and um I got some really good training there, but then when I got to uh, the FFBO program, and some of that sensitive security information, obviously sure. tactics and things like that. But uh, uh, guy, you pretty much summed it up. It was excellent training, and um, you know, it's the random nature of it. It is the uh, deterrent. One more here for you before we let you go, Mike Hatton, former commercial airline pilot. Every once in a while, I see these stories of some drunk, unruly, drugged-up passenger that tries to open the door to the airplane at 30,000 feet in the air is that's not even possible is it the hulk couldn't open that i'm not saying that nothing you know that person should be arrested and never be allowed to fly again but you can't open an airplane door at 35,000 feet all right i just i, I was just no checking. no 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 the uh, the force on that door holding it closed is 8.3 pounds per square inch of pressurization. <laughs> so imagine how many square inches on that door. I'm not good at math, so I don't know. But uh, I know it's the hawk could not open that door. I am so glad to hear that. Because yeah. well, you and I just had this yeah, story. We did, yeah. You know, one of the last times I subbed, like a week yeah. ago. And, 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 and look, I'm even though I'm a, a firearms instructor and spend a lot of time teaching and, and training in self-defense, I, I don't necessarily want to hurt anybody. But I said on that show when I was up, we discussed this issue. 
issue. I'm sitting in my seat, and, and some crazy person tries to open the door at 30,000 feet. I'm hurting them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're, I'm sorry. They're getting hurt. Uh, but at least uh, the urgency, uh, given Mike's answer to that question, I, I kind of thought that from an intuitive standpoint, but I'm just glad to hear it confirmed from someone who knows. And, Mike, before we let you go, do you um, – you know, a book out there, you know, any any website that you want to promote, or where can people find your work, or what you're working on right now? You know, guy. Uh, um, sorry, Nigel, and right. guy. I have um, a book I'm working on, but it's not far enough along now to okay. get it out. But um, my website is. Uh, you can get me two ways. The website is thegrowthfacilitator.com, or simply my name, MikeHatton.com, and you can reach me at Mike at thegrowthfacilitator.com. Mike, uh, happy New Year, man! You're always welcome back on this program anytime. Let me know the next time you stop by Indy. We'll go out to uh, St. Elmo's and get some shrimp. Yeah, and hey, I'm going to get your contact information too, Mike. This is Guy, and uh, may have you on uh, the Gun Guy Show uh, at some point uh, where we can get into some more two A stuff because that'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you uh, offline about a couple things you made me when you were talking about the guy at the door. Uh, you know, there's some good Samaritan protections there, and you being an attorney, I'm sure you know about that. So that would be an interesting conversation. All right, let's talk about that. I'll, I'll get your contact information from Nigel. We'll go from there. Mike, Happy New Year. Okay. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Thanks, Mike. Uh, James Cameron has some regrets about the Avatar <laughs> sequel. He had to cut some scenes out. You'll never guess why. That's next on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Uh, Guy Relford filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. If you missed that interview we just did with uh, Mike Hatton, uh, former commercial airline pilot, you got to go back and listen to it, WIBC.com. That was fascinating. Gave us some insight on what's going on with Southwest Airlines right now and some other stuff behind the scenes. The pilot, always fascinating. Uh, Guy, real quick, um, are, are, do you plan on going to see Avatar? Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I I, uh, I actually loved the first one. Did you really? It's one of the few movies uh, that I've, I've seen twice in the theater. Um, I thought the first one was just fun, and it was a you know it was an escape. But I'm not hearing good things about this yeah. second one. And uh, well, I think we're about to talk about it. It makes me want to see it even less. <laughs> well, James Cameron says he cut ten minutes, cut like you know ten to seventeen minutes out of the movie that involved gunplay because yeah, right. of quote what's happening with guns in our society turns my stomach. I'm happy to be living in New Zealand where they just banned all assault rifles a couple of years ago. I actually cut ten minutes of the movie targeting gunplay. Action. I wanted to get rid of some of the ugliness. And, and, and let's make sure everybody knows who we're talking about here. This is the guy who made Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, Hollywood in general has a fetish with guns. Yeah. Guns. I want to know how I mean, many millions upon millions of dollars this guy's put in his pocket, uh, romanticizing firearms and, and and people getting shot left and right throughout his movies. And now, he and now he's going to be sanctimonious. Now he's going to lecture us about being disgusted about what's going on with guns. Kiss my butt. <laughs> well, he better not be too sanctimonious. Avatar 2 plunged 58% in its second weekend at the box office. The first, Avatar, only declined 2% in its second weekend back in 2009. This second weekend, 
percent nosedive at the box office. Well, I'm not going to go see it. And by the way, just so we're also clear, I'm not going to see it. We're talking. You cut ten minutes of quote unquote gunplay. <laughs> These are cartoon guns. Yeah. I mean, if you if, if, <laughs> we're, we're not made it, we're talking about Elmer Fudd. You know, get losing his shotgun here. Uh, I think the, the, the graphics are slightly better than Looney slightly Tunes. Slightly better than Looney Tunes, <laughs> but we're talking about damn cartoons here. Come uh, on, give me a break. Right, with I want to leave uh, plenty uh, of time for ask the gun guy. So we're going to do that next after the news, okay? Call us now, 239-9393. Guy Relford's filling in for Hammer. You're a Second Amendment attorney. You're a licensed firearms certified instructor. If you have a question, a gun safety question, or you're in trouble with the law, or whatever your question might be, call now. Kylan will put you on hold. 239-9393. Ask the gun guy next after the news. My name is Nigel. Guy Relford here in for Jason Hammer. Guy Relford is a Second Amendment attorney and a certified licensed firearms instructor. When he fills in, we like to do the Ask the Gun Guy segment, 239-9393. If you have a legal question or a gun safety question or something related, uh, Guy, I'll let you take it. All right, man. Sounds great. We got a whole bunch of callers. We'll get uh, to as many as we can. We're going to do this both segments. Uh, so through uh, about six o'clock, we'll be taking your calls. Uh, let's go to Buzz. Is this my buddy Buzz who calls my show every weekend? Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing, Buzz? What, what do you what do you got for uh, for us here on the Hammer and Nigel? Okay. Uh, did you go through the big omnibus bill and find out what those little sneaky weasels tried to sneak into the gun? Yeah, uh, there are, I believe, Buzz, uh, 12 different examples of gun control in the omnibus spending bill. Um, a really? lot of it is uh, is labeled as funding uh, for, like, you know, community safety kind of stuff. Um, and there's much too much to talk about uh, here uh, with all the callers we have on hold. But but I'll try to get through that on my show on Saturday, Buzz. I, I, I'll uh, I'll highlight some of that, and I'm going to be putting something out in the name of the 2A Project so people there know what's going on as well. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines, and uh, we got Tom. Tom, welcome to uh, Hammer and Nigel. Yep, what you got, Tom? Well, I uh, I had a nine record. I had a felony when I was younger. Uh -huh. I, I even got my carry permit, but when I went to buy a gun, I got denied. Yep. So, do I need to do something else that I need to do? I guess that's my question. Yeah, and it, depending on what it was for, Tom, and we don't need to have this conversation on the radio, but depending on what uh, the conviction was for specifically, um, we can expunge that. I do expungements all the time. I really enjoy doing them because uh, if you've had a clean criminal history for at least eight years, if you paid all your fines, fees, court costs, uh, any restitution, uh, and otherwise complied with the terms of your conviction, and you have that clean criminal history for eight years, we can go back and for not all convictions, but for a lot of convictions, we can expunge that off your record. And in Indiana, an expungement restores your civil rights. So that's the right to hold public office. Uh, it says uh, the right to vote, although typically felons in Indiana don't typically lose that right. But right in the expungement statute also says the right to be a proper person under the Indiana licensing statute, which means your Second Amendment uh, rights are restored and the federal government recognizes that as well. So uh, look me up at relfordlaw.com if you want to talk more about that. But I do expungements all the time. You know, I'm, I'm always curious. Yeah. I mean, I know. 
<laughs> Somebody says, like, I got a felony 20 years ago. I got an expunge. I cleaned my life up. But I, I got to admit, I am kind of curious as the radio broadcaster. <laughs> oh, man. No, exactly no, what those no, involve. But it. I, we no, I, get I into love, some I love hairy situations. No, I love doing this. on the air. If it didn't require yeah, no, I know. eight years yeah. with a clean criminal history, I no, I'm a big fan of it. Because as, as someone who was young and stupid once myself and, and who did a whole bunch of dumb things that uh, I just didn't happen to get in trouble for, um, you know, I like being able to help people uh, restore their rights yeah. and clean their records up. Uh, let's go back to phone lines. We got Dan, or Don, I'm sorry. Don, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. What you got for us? Hey, uh, Guy, I know you've answered the question about truck drivers and uh, carrying handguns and their trucks, but I wanted to know about a shotgun. And um, I know I go to handgunlaw.com and find out the laws in other states, but what is your advice on a, a shotgun in, in another state, let's say like Illinois, I go to Michigan, Ohio? Yeah, uh, Illinois is problematic in the sense that if you have a license to carry a handgun uh, in Illinois, they changed their law here a couple of years ago, and where you can actually have a handgun on your person as someone licensed in Indiana as you drive through Illinois. You don't get licensed to have a shotgun in your vehicle. And I don't know off the top of my head what Illinois laws are or what other state laws might be relative to a shotgun in a, in a, in a vehicle, including a commercial vehicle, Don. So I wouldn't want to give you advice on that. Um, if it were me, and, and plus, a shotgun is, is pretty unwieldy in a vehicle. I've done a bunch of training um, where we're doing self-defense exercises from a vehicle. And I actually had built a short-barreled shotgun, which you know you have to register under the NFA and and do that whole song and dance. But I, I because I didn't like using a a, a full-length shotgun. It can be in pretty a cumbersome. It's really like, cumbersome. Yeah. And uh, swinging the thing around, getting a good shot, getting in and out of the vehicle, you know, with an 18-inch barrel, which is what is required to otherwise be legal, is just no fun. So I'm a big fan of either a, a shortened weapon like an SBS, which requires the whole uh, NFA process, or just a handgun. And in my my recommendation would be go with a handgun because that's going to be easy to to handle legally as you travel through Illinois, which you already mentioned, um, might be an issue. So I, I'd go I'd go handgun all day on that, Don. Let's go back to the phone line and Keith has a question. Hi, guy. This isn't really a gun question, but you're kind of plugged into the state house. Okay. Are yeah. They, is, is the state house planning on repealing the hold harmless on the COVID restrictions this year? I asked this because my father was involved in a nursing home incident where there was clear cut nursing home abuse and they can't be sued because they'll use the COVID defense. Yeah, I, I have not heard of a bill, and I don't necessarily know that I would hear about this bill. I mean, for a lot of gun-related issues, Second Amendment-related issues, legislators get a hold of me, and they want me to review their bills beforehand. Um, I've already been looking at several bills that are going to be filed here sooner than later. No, no one's going to think to call me, Keith, uh, and run something like that past me, because I haven't been active in that area. Sorry that happened to you, though, Keith. That's awful. Man. Yeah, that's, but I'll just I'll, I'll shortcut the discussion by telling you that I, I haven't heard of any effort to do that in the legislature doesn't mean that they won't um but uh, it's nothing that i've heard uh that they're being uh active in considering uh let's go back to the phone lines and tony has called hammer nigel tony welcome to the show man what you got for us well i had a question regarding the arm brace uh potential oh yeah i guess ban or restriction there that, yeah, that's and in effect now i think that went into effect uh earlier in december what is it yeah Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. So yeah, take, well, to answer, and Tony, for, forgive me, Tony, I'm going to answer Nigel's question. What this is is um, 
the the uh, a gun like an AR or an AK, they can they make a pistol version of this where it has no shoulder stock, which makes it a pistol. That means you can have a barrel less than 16 inches long on it and not have to register it through the National Firearms Act, like I was just talking about with a short-barreled shotgun. And uh, and but but then companies came out with what they call a pistol stabilizer brace, and it's an attachment where a stock would ordinarily go a shoulder stock, and it's ostensibly designed to essentially fit around your forearm and allow you to stabilize a pistol to shoot it one-handed. And with a heavier, larger caliber firearm, like an AK or an AR pistol, that can be helpful. ATF came out and said they're legal. And it doesn't make your gun a rifle, meaning it's a short-barreled rifle, which would require you to register it under, under the National Firearms Act. However, gun owners, frankly, we started abusing this a little bit, and they started making more and more pistol stabilizer braces that look and function more and more like stocks. And then you go out to social media, and everybody's using them like a stock, where they're putting them against their shoulder. And the pendulum has now swung back, where the, the, the ATF has come out and said, um, that we're not just going to say that putting one of these on your on your pistol makes it a rifle, so it has to be registered under the NFA. But we're going to have a point system. So depending on the barrel length and the caliber and the weight of your firearm and the actual design of the pistol bra- stabilizer brace itself, we're going to you can add, you got to add up these points. And if you get over a certain number of points, aha, now it's a pistol. And if we catch you, or excuse me, now it's a rifle. And if we catch you with it and it's got a less than 16 inch barrel, um, now you're going to federal prison for 10 years because you have an unregistered short-barreled rifle. So this new point system, rigor morale, which I do this for a living, it's almost undecipherable to me. I it's it's purpose, so complex. They're trying it's to, on purpose. It's on yeah. purpose. They're trying to bully people into registering their guns. Um, so anyway, Tony, with that background, brother, what, what's your question? And maybe I just answered it. Well, my question is, is how does that, I agree, it's completely undecipherable. Yep. So how does that impact a device like uh, an MCK or a Micro Roni, uh, where you would insert, you know, a, a Glock 19 into, and it's got an arm brace on it now? Yeah, it's a great question. And for folks who don't know what Tony's referring to, there are these devices, uh, the Micro Roni that he mentioned is the most common, where it actually, you, you, you sort of snap your gun up into it, and it's got a shoulder stock. Or, or actually a brace in some they make them both ways one has a stock one has a brace um, and you use it accordingly if it's got if it's got the brace style on that that micro roni for instance Tony I think it's going to be subject to the new regulation and you're going to have to uh, go through that point system now if it's a micro roni that you p- plug you know your glock into it's a pistol caliber so that's that's not going to give you a lot of points. It doesn't have a, a, a very uh, long barrel, and it doesn't have a lot of weight to it. But those things are going to inure toward not having a lot of points. But the bottom line is, I think you're going to have to do that calculation or just uh, take the safe way out, which is what ATF's trying to bully you into doing, and just go ahead and register it. Let's. You want to do a break here? I want yeah, to let's do a break here, Nige, because we've got uh, we've got several more people on hold, and yeah, Jeff has anywhere. just called in as well. So, but we'll get to all of these folks after the break. All right, uh, we'll be right back. Ask the Gun Guy continues here in just a second. Stay close. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Guy Relford, a Second Amendment attorney, here filling in for Hammer. Let's continue with Ask the Gun Guy. Go for it. All right, man. Let's go right back to the phone lines. We've had some people holding for a while. And Nick, Nick, welcome to Hammer and Nigel, man. What you got? Well, I was just asking about um, why we're not allowed to carry handguns into commercial vehicles, but I guess you've answered that. Yeah. And 
where else can I uh, look up stuff for this? Just, you know, I mean, do you have a website as well? You know, Nick, um, you live here in Indiana, I take it, or are you just traveling through? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah no, if you, you're, you're from here, man. I, I'll tell you what. I mean, forgive me for the shameless plug, but I would uh, I would come take my Essentials of Indiana Gun Law class because it's it's four and a half hours. But in half a day, we typically do them on Saturday mornings. Occasionally, we'll do them on Thursday evenings. Um, it's four and a half hours of what you really need to know as an Indiana gun owner: where you can and can't take your gun, uh, when you can use deadly force, when you can't, uh, how to avoid getting prosecuted for things like pointing a firearm. We don't have brandishing right. in Indiana. But we have pointing a firearm. We have uh, criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon, intimidation with a deadly weapon, uh, several other crimes that I I defend all the time. So I don't know of a good single source to go and self-educate on these issues. And God knows the Internet is is completely crammed full of bad information. Um, So I'd uh, forgive me for the plug, man, but I'd I'd come take my class because you can get it all in one sitting or at least the most important information uh, over four hours. Let's go back to the phone lines and joe has called joe welcome to hammer and nigel hey guy i want to talk about the uh, what we call the castle doctrine yeah in this particular case how it might apply to texas because they could use it oh, i'm sorry and, and you're a little muffled to me joe how it might apply when they, they, they need the castle doctrine or they need to use the castle doctrine in texas in Texas, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah, I don't um, well, what, you know, you know what, Joe, I I would uh, I would put our castle doctrine. In fact, I'd put our gun laws up um, against any other state laws in the in the country, including Texas. In fact, Texas has a lot of restrictions on gun rights that we don't have here in Indiana. Interesting. And uh, I mean, a ton. Um, you know, in in Texas, if you carry your gun into a bar, um, that's illegal. If, if you consume any amount of alcohol while you're carrying a gun, that's illegal. In Texas, if a business owner puts a particular sign up in a business entrance that says, hey, under Texas code, whatever, uh, you know, guns are prohibited in these premises because the ownership uh, prohibits firearms, and you ignore that and walk in, you're committing a crime. Indiana doesn't have that law. There are, and, there is, and it goes on and on from there. Our Castle Doctrine, uh, I think, is written exactly the way it should be, which is that you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to either prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. And dwelling obviously means home. So that's prevent or terminate. Now, the entry has to be or attack has to be illegal. So if your roommate's just coming home late, that's not an illegal entry. Uh, If somebody's name's on the lease, you've given someone a key, you've invited someone in, those entries aren't illegal. But if it's an illegal entry into your home, you can either prevent that or terminate it uh, with reasonable force up to and including deadly force. And there's no requirement. This is what makes it the Castle Doctrine. There's no requirement that you fear getting hurt. You don't have to say, hey, you know, the guy had a weapon, or I feared injury, I I feared getting killed. You can simply defend your home up to and including with deadly force to prevent or terminate that unlawful entry. And uh, and I think that's exactly the way it ought to be written. Dwelling, by the way, can be permanent or temporary, movable or fixed, meaning your dwelling can be your hotel room. Your dwelling can be your tent in the campground. Your dwelling can be your RV when you're stopped and Your and van sleeping. down by the river. Yeah, well, yeah, your van down by the river. If you're sleeping in it and you're staying in it, it's your dwelling. Now, when it's rolling down the highway, it's a vehicle and treated differently. Um, but our Castle Doctrine, I think, is written exactly the way it should be, uh, Joe. And so uh, 
wanted to relay that to you. Let's go back to the phone lines. We've got time for one or two more. Jeff has called in. Uh, Jeff, what you got for us? Yeah, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller here. Um, <laughs> what I got, uh, my father-in-law passed away back in February, uh-huh. and he left my wife the family Bible and his SIG 9mm. Um, we, we traveled out there, did the funeral, and brought the gun back with us to Indiana. Uh, my question is, do I need to register that gun to myself or my wife, or is yeah, it was given to us, is it ours? I bet that nope. thing happens all the time. It, this it, type of thing happens all the time. It, it does. And we don't have registration in Indiana, Jeff. Um, so, no, you don't have to register it. Now, there are restrictions on what's already occurred, which is a transfer between residents of different states. But that's a separate issue uh that horse has left the barn so the the question is do you have to register in indiana no absolutely not um we don't have registration in indiana and uh and i would fight that tooth and nail because we know what happens both from other states that have required people to uh register for instance their ar-15s or whatnot that simply becomes a to-do list for the government uh down the road uh, when they decide they want to ban uh something that they haven't yet banned so i would uh i would not be a fan of that and there's nothing else to do i and and, and what's interesting too on 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 uh, how to deal with a firearm in an estate which uh Jeff was also alluding to, you know, there's there's no special treatment that you need to give just a regular gun. Now, if it's a machine gun or a short-barreled shotgun, something registered with NFA, that's completely different. But you can deal with, with firearms as part of an estate, just like a, a, a microwave or a couch. You can will it to whoever you want to will it to, and it's transferred as part of the estate. We've got an entire hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 6 o'clock. And uh, real quick, with 10 seconds left, you get the Gun Guy show this weekend. We're going to do be doing more of these uh, kinds of questions. Oh, right? absolutely. We take calls throughout the whole two hours on the gun guy show five to seven on saturday it is the hammer and nigel show